I love John and Allison. They're some of my buddies. Some of our buddies. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but when Chris and I were brand new to this church, uh, we were trying to find our people. You know, we were here from the get-go, and, um, but I wasn't on staff, and uh, we were looking for our people, and John and Allison became our people. And uh, man, I love them. Love them to death. But uh, today, <clears throat> today's kind of a big day in American culture. Maybe that's the understatement of the day. Who knows? Uh, more to come, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a big day. Marketing experts say that uh, they anticipate about uh, somewhere around uh, north of 110 million people are going to watch the big game today. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and you know what I'm talking about. Y'all been following the storylines? Y'all been following storylines? I haven't. I'm a Saints fan. I'm protesting. (laughs) I'm going to be leading a picket line uh, at our Super Bowl party, and I'm going to hold up a sign that says, blow whistles, not games, right? (laughs) In truth, I do know one storyline. I'm kind of dialed in on it. All right, here it is. It's Tom Brady versus Jared Goff. It's Bill Belichick versus Sean McVay. It's the old guard versus the new guard. It's the classic tale of the wily veteran versus the brash, young, upstart. I'm kind of interested. Is this the day? Is this the big day where the baton will finally be passed? Where the Patriot dynasty will be dismantled at the expense and uh, to the credit of a younger, younger upstart? Who knows? I don't know. I'm going to watch. I guess I'll find out. One thing I do know, though, is that the Patriots are favored. Tom Brady, their MVP, has them favored, and he is poised to win a record sixth Super Bowl title. If he does this, he'll have two more than the next guy, Joe Montana. That's kind of impressive, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. But I want to tell you, I wonder how the odds would change if Tom Brady wasn't playing today. I wonder how they would change. Do you know? I don't. Today's the most betting day of the year, I would imagine, total guess, but I wonder how the odds would change. Do you know the backup quarterback for the Patriots? Brian Hoyer. I had to Google that one. Brian Hoyer is a Michigan State grad. Sure. He's a Spartan. I love Spartans, like the military Spartans. Uh, I'm an SEC guy. But Brian Hoyer, I wonder how Brian Hoyer would feel if he got a phone call today, like right now. Say, hey, Brian, man, Tom's out. He can't go today. Can't go, man. He got the stomach bug. I wonder how Brian would feel. Well, I can tell you, I got an idea. I got an idea how Brian would feel because I got that call late yesterday. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Your fearless leader, Robert Green, is down for the count. Our MVP is not here. <laughs> I know how Brian feels. <laughs> He prepared all week to deliver this message to you, and his head is in a bucket. He is weak, and he is powerless. (laughs) And he did not share his notes with me. So, Robert, if you're listening, I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, you get a backup quarterback today, all right? But God has a word for you, all right? And I'm expecting good things. I get to call the audible today. You ready for the play? You ready for the play of the day? You ready for the audible? Here it is, the Hail Mary. God's going to have to complete this pass, okay? (laughs) Buckle up. You get a backup quarterback, but I pray this is not a backup word. God's word never goes out and returns back to him void, right? He's got a word for you, all right? And here's what I know about backup quarterbacks. Tom Brady, maybe the greatest of all time, verdict's still out, but he was once a backup quarterback. So, hey, maybe there's a chance for me. Who knows? (laughs) 
I'm kidding. Um, seriously, I am expecting some great things today. Uh, that said, I would appreciate your grace. I would appreciate your prayers for Robert. I would appreciate your prayers for a reminder of the power that is already in us today. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are omnipotent. You are all-powerful, and you do not hoard your power. God, you give it away. You gave it away at the cross, and then you shed your love abroad in our hearts that we might know you and have access to the infinite riches of your grace. God, we have power. We have infinite resources at our disposal because you give them to us. God, you are powerful, and you give power away. God, I can't ask for more power. I got everything I need. You have given me not a spirit of fear or timidity, but one of power. God, I pray that you would deliver a powerful word. And if you would impact one heart in this room today, if you would impact one heart today, God, I would be so humbled and grateful that you would use a weak and powerless man like me to impact somebody in your church. God, I love you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned, I'm Nick Crawford. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Finder Church, and we're in the second week of this sermon series that we've called Battle Ready. I had to get kind of battle ready pretty quick. Are you ready? Are you ready? That's the question. Last week, Robert taught us about our adoption as sons and daughters of the good Father. He said that we've been chosen, we've been predestined by God as sons and daughters, and we have an amazing inheritance we got stuff to look forward to, stuff that we did not earn, but it's already ours. It's laid up for us, all right? And I bet it feels pretty good to be picked. We're chosen. That's got to make us feel pretty good. That's a core identity of a Christian. We're chosen. We're picked. And if I were a betting man, I would venture a guess that all the guys on both sidelines for the Rams and the Patriots today, none of them had to sit on the sidelines of the elementary playground and say, hey, pick me, pick me, pick me. They were probably the first to be picked, but look at me. I'm like, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. I kind of want to be picked, you know? <laughs> Here's what I know. Today we're going to be reminded that we are strong, even when five foot nothings like me don't look very strong and don't feel very strong. We are strong because of what God has done on our behalf. We are strong. Life is a battle. It's a fight. Are you battle ready? And here's what I got to tell you. It's a whole lot easier going into the fight when you're at the top of your game, right? When you got your A game, when you're strong, when you are fully prepared, it's a whole lot easier to go into the ring and face up to the fight then, right? But what about when you're unprepared? What about when you're weak? What about then? What do we do then? How do we get into the battle when we don't feel so strong? Hmm? Romans 8, 11 says that if you are a believer, you have the same spirit in you that raised Jesus from the dead. You have the resurrection power in your heart. Can't take that away from you. The Spirit of God lives in you, and because of Him, you are strong. Life is a battle. It's a fight. Are you battle ready? In Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, the Apostle Paul gives us a battle plan. He tells us exactly how we can get into the ring and face the fight. He tells us who we are. He says, you are strong. So let's look at the Scripture together. I'm going to read from the Bible. 
Don't worry if you don't have one. We're going to have all the verses up here. But, I'm, man, I'm not running trick plays today. This ain't any kind of triple reverse wide receiver passes today. We're running them straight up to the middle. I am not being fancy. I'm, I'm reading from this, okay? Here we go. Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, Paul says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Wow. That's a word. Here's the big idea today. All right, God is all-powerful and He gives His power away. God, the truly strong one, gives strength to His people. But here's our problem. Here's our problem. We forget. We are a forgetful breed. We forget. We forget who we are, that we are already strong. We don't need more strength. We don't need more strength. We let all the outside voices and external distractions and pressures dictate who we are. We forget. Sometimes what we need most is just a reminder. Paul shows us how to get battle ready by showing us where God shows His strength. God's strength is seen in His people, in prayer, and in Christ's position. You tap into those three things, God's people, prayer, and Christ's position, and I promise you, you will get the reminder that you need to to remember that you are already strong. You'll be reminded that you're already strong. First point, God's strength is seen in God's people. We're going to hang out in verses 15 to 16 there, okay? In verses 15 to 16, Paul's focus is on God's people. He's thankful, too. Paul is thankful for God's people. Why? Why is he thankful for this, for God's people? It's their example. Their example gave strength to Paul. Paul had heard of the great faith and the great love of the church. And he says, this is the reason that I don't stop giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He says that he gives thanks to God for this reason, because of your faith in the Lord and your love toward all the saints. Paul is thanking God for the faith and the love of the church. Let's look at those two things, faith and love. Their faith, the faith of the church in Ephesus. Paul is thanking God for their saving faith. Okay, Verse 15, he says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Their faith has an object of focus and anchor. Jesus is Lord and Savior. All right? In Romans 10, 9, Paul says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. 
Faith has an object, and that object is Jesus. Paul is strengthened by the fact that there are Christians in Ephesus. Now let's look at their love. Paul thanks God for their love toward all the saints. Now, Ephesus was really, really diverse. I mean, it was a melting pot of various cultures and various ethnicities. And he's thanking them for their love toward all the saints. You see, Paul emphasizes all there. Christian love does not discriminate. It doesn't pick and choose who to love and who to be friends with. True Christian love is way more than a feeling, an affection, or an emotion. Spiritual love is an attitude of selfless sacrifice that results in generous kindness towards others. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet in John 13, 34, he told them that this was the example for how they were to love one another. Christian love is sacrificial love. 1 John 3, 16 to 17. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Paul is strengthened by the fact that there was sacrificial love in Ephesus. God's work through God's people made Paul strong. He was encouraged by what he heard from the church at Ephesus. Now, John and Allison Pitts, as I mentioned earlier, they are my friends. I love them. I love them a lot. Our very first finder group was with them. When the church just started, Kristen and I were kind of running around trying to find our people, and they became our people. They still are. Now, several leaders from that first group had to, they got set out, they sent out to make room for more people. That's how power works, right? God does not hoard power. He gives it away. So eventually we had to kind of get out of our comfort zone and make room for more people. That's what happened. But just because I don't see John and Allison every Wednesday night does not mean that they're not my family and that I don't, all, I don't think of them often and I don't love them deeply. All that has stayed the same. All right. You see, I know some things about John. And our group knew that too. We weren't in John's group when that great yard uh, rescue came to be. We were outside of the group. We were in a different group by then. And John said that he's a, um, what did he say, I'm a yard freak? Man, that's, that's understatement number two of the day. He's a fanatic, okay? He's got a, he's, he's got a ritualistic routine that he performs every day when he gets home from work. And I'm telling you, it involves like inspecting every blade of grass. He is a yard fanatic. We knew that about John. And we knew that we couldn't let his yard go to pot. That'd kill him. That'd kill him. So one of our mobilizers, Austin Brown, knows everybody. He starts getting on the phone. He's like, man, we got to do this. Come on, guys. Come on. Do this for John. He's our boy. Come on, man. So I mean, the money started rolling in. $5 here, $10 here, $20. We got a couple of $100 gifts. In no time, we made short order of that yard, and we funded his yard for the whole year. And don't you know this? I bet you if you ask John, well, he's laid up, unable to cut his own yard. I bet you he felt stronger because his people acted on his behalf. He would tell you that. I love them. I love them a lot. John and Allison found their people in a small group right here. Their group multiplied out many times over, and their family grew. That's cool. Community. Community really matters. It matters a lot. The word community literally means strength in numbers. Check this out. The root word of community is common. It's where we get communion, right? 
The root word is common. Now, if that comes from a Latin word, communis. All right? Break that word down into its parts. Communis, com, means with. Munis, munis means strength or to fortify. So it literally means with strength, with numbers. Community means strength in numbers, and that is awesome. We're in a battle, right? We're in a battle. We're in a battle against a real army who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And let me tell you where that enemy's eyes are looking. Let me tell you where his eyes are looking. 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking some one to devour. He's looking for some one devourer. He's looking for the little lamb on the side of the hill, a lush green hill that just sticks out like a sore thumb. He's looking for the isolated one to go kill, steal, and destroy. He's not looking for the pack, right? He's not getting up in that. He's going to the one sheep who's isolated from the community. That's what that says, First Peter 5. He's looking for some one to devour. The enemy is powerless against the power of God in the people of God. Some of us are in a battle, but we don't have anyone in our corner. So let me ask you, who's in your corner? Who are you fighting with? Do you have strength in numbers? Or are you going it alone? We place a high emphasis on groups here at Findering Church. It's mandated and it's good for us. It's cool how God commands things that are good for us because He's a good and loving Father, Right? Over 50 commands in the New Testament tell us and command us, mandate us to one another, each other. It's a big deal. It's also good for us because we are truly stronger together. Who's in your corner? Who are you fighting with? Are you in a group? Easy next step for you is to come next week. Group connect. Group connect next week. You get a free lunch. You get into a group. I'm not saying that it's an easy thing. I know it's a hard thing. It's a big first step to go into somebody's living room. But that enemy, he's looking for the one to devour. If you're not in a group, get in a group. Mariah's going to come up at the end of the service and tell you how. Findercherch.com slash groups. Sign up. It's good for you. All right? God's power shows up in regular people like me and like you. When we see God's power at work through God's people, we are encouraged and we're strengthened. Second, God's strength is seen in prayer. We're going to be in verses 17 to 19 here. Now remember, Paul is praying here. But what's he praying for? He's praying to God to reveal himself to his people. Verse 17, he's praying to God to give them the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, and the eyes of their hearts to be enlightened. He's praying for the people to understand some things. He's asking God to give them spiritual eyes to see who God is and what He has done for them. Then Paul highlights three blessings that he wants us to understand. Each of these blessings is highlighted by the word what? Here they are. Hope, inheritance, and the big one in this passage, power. Hope. The hope of His calling. God called His people in eternity past. Then we believed in the present. And that secured us in the future. Inheritance. Paul wants us to know how much we're valued. We have an awesome inheritance as the good Father's children. And we didn't earn it. Power. This is the climactic request of this prayer. We know this because Paul expands on it here. And I'm going to hang out in this spot really quick, okay? This is really big. First, look at the direction, 
All right, there's a directional word in there. Look at the direction of the immeasurable greatness of God's power. Verse 19, God directs this power toward us who believe. What? Yeah. To us who believe. God's power is directed at His people. We are powerful. We are strong. God's great power is available to His people. Second, Paul emphasizes the greatness of that power with four different synonyms. Power, working, great, and might. I'm going to look at the first two. Okay, Power, the Greek word is dunamis. It's where we get our word for dynamite and dynamo. This is power for Christians, for those who believe. This is all the power we could ever have and ever need. There is no more. And what's better? This is for every believer. It's not reserved for some spiritual class of spiritual elite special forces. No, it's for every believer. The same power to Robert Greene exists to me and exists to the brand new believer. When we are saved, we received all of God's grace and all of His power at the same time, wrapped up in a gift. It's grace. Unreal. Second word, working. Who's at work here? Who's working? God. It says, in His great might. The Greek word there is energia. This is the energizing force of the Holy Spirit that empowers believers to live for God. You need energy? He's working on your behalf. All right? Now, this is important. Notice what Paul does not pray for. Notice what he does not pray for. He doesn't say, God, give them more power. Oh, please, God, give them more power. They need power. Give it to them. It's not what he prays for. No. He prayed that they would be aware of the power that they already had. He wanted them to understand the power already in them. He wanted them to know the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe. Now, maybe I've given Robert a hard time. Who knows? I love Robert. Truth is, though, I missed church last week, too. So I'm not all that innocent. Uh, I had the same thing that he has. I probably gave it to him. My bad, man. (laughs) We hung out a little bit this week. Probably gave it to him. I had the same thing. Same terrible stuff. Oh, it's awful. Well, I'm not going to go into too many details here because you know what I'm talking about. Last Saturday, last Saturday, I, I had a disease. Man, I was literally without ease. I was uncomfortable. And my ego took plenty of shots. You see, Kristen had a long list of honeydews and spring cleaning to do. And guess who was doing them? Her. I had to lay down flat. I mean, I had to get comfortable. I was not comfortable. And I was just trying to, I couldn't. She's running around the house and I'm watching her do all the work. And man, that, that's bugging me. Shot to my ego, big time. Well, a couple of hours goes by. She knocks out the whole list by herself, super mom that she is. And she says, hey, Nick, I got to go do another errand. Oh, gosh. So she's like, all right, I'm taking Kennedy Vale, our daughter, and we're going out. Not 15 minutes goes by, and it hits me like a freight train. My son's in the room with me, and I said, Coy boy, man, go get your Halloween bucket and a towel now. <laughs> all right? And that dude, man, he, I, guess, I don't know, I guess the dad voice came out, but he dropped what he was doing, and he ran. In the nick of time, I had a bucket and a towel, and you know what I did next? unloaded. It was awful. And he was disgusted. (laughs) 
but not how you think. He was not grossed out. I was. He was not. He was disgusted in a different way. Let me tell you what he said. He waited a few minutes for me to kind of quiet down, catch my breath. And he just kind of cocks his head at me in a condescending little way. And he said, Dad, I thought you were the strongest man in the whole city. And now you're just sick. Salt in the wounds, man. This is a 24-hour virus, and it took me about 72 hours to recover from that one. From the mouth of babes, huh? The immeasurable greatness of God's power is aimed at us who believe. God gives power away, and He gives it to His people at the moment they believe. But we forget. We forget. We listen to the voices out there, and in here, our heads, we believe the lies, even when they come from our kids. Here's the deal. We buy the lies, but God bought us. He bought us with a precious price, so steep that we could never pay it. He bought us with the blood of His very own Son. The immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us who believe, and He showed it when He raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him in the heavenly places. The gospel is God's power for salvation to any who would believe it. Romans 1.16 Have we forgotten that power? Paul says it this way in 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake? That's the power that's in us. Look, we're all tempted to doubt. We're all tempted to wonder if God can do this or if God can do that. But look at what He did through Jesus. When we look at what He did through Jesus, we can know for sure what He can do for us. All our doubts and worries and insecurities are vanquished at the cross. Again, Romans 8.11, the resurrection power is in your heart. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive and well in your heart. The power of the risen Christ is ours to do battle against worry, temptation, doubt, and any battle you face, including when your kids lose all faith in you. Ask for God to remind you of who you are in Christ. You are strong. Last point. God's strength is seen in Christ's position. Verse 20 to 23. Paul moves from Christ's great might to His great majesty. Paul now wants the church to focus their gaze on the greatness of Jesus, the one who empowers us. Christ's position is very important. Verse 20, God is all-powerful and He gave that power away. Look, God's power was on full display at the cross. God's great might and power worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus, the all-powerful King of kings, emptied Himself. The God who was full of resources gave Himself away. The Sovereign Father sent His own Son to die for His subjects. What kind of king does that? Paul says it this way in Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made Himself nothing Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
the sovereign Father over all, rich in power and glory, became nothing. In Jesus, God emptied Himself and became less than a man. He did all of that out of love for you. Verse 21, look at His position now. Verse 21, our Lord is far above everyone and everything. He's above the enemy. He's above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He's above every name. The power of Christ can't be overthrown because He's far above. He's over it all. He's untouchable. And God put all things under His feet. Verse 22, there's no problem too big for them. He's over them all. Even more though, God also positioned Jesus as the head of the church. Jesus is both the head of the church and the fullness of the church. He is completely over us and completely in us. Jesus is our supreme Lord and supreme power. And look at this. The church is the fullness or completion of Jesus Himself. The church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Verse 23. The church is the fullness of Christ. Just as a head needs a body to show glory to the head, so Jesus needs a body to show glory to Him. He chose the church as the means to manifest His glory to the world. He chose us out of the world to show His glory to the world. Mind-boggling stuff. Now this is wild. I, I, I didn't have a lot of time to prep, okay? But this blew my mind. This was the aha moment for me in my preparation. All right, And it speaks of our mission. This is wild. This speaks to our mission. Stay with me for a second here. If the church is the fullness or completion of Christ, then Christ is incomplete until the church is complete. Say it again. If the church is the fullness or completion of Christ, then Christ is incomplete until the church is complete. That's why Jesus fills all in all until the church is complete. That's why He gives His fullness to the believers because there are still worshipers yet to gather. Much smarter guy than me said it this way. All right, I don't care what you think about this guy's theology, but trust me, he's smarter than me and he said it this way. John Calvin, this is the highest honor of the church. That until He is united to us, the Son of God reckons Himself in some measure incomplete. What consolation it is for us to learn that not until we are in His presence does He possess all His parts, nor does He wish to be regarded as complete. Man. Like I said, I've probably given Robert a hard time, but I can. Alright? I can. You know why? Because I had the same thing he had last week. I know exactly what he's going through. I know exactly what he's feeling. I've been there. I know exactly what he is going through. I can sympathize with him. I can feel with him. I can empathize with him. Did you know that Jesus can empathize with you? That he can feel with you? Jesus understands every single thing you're going through. You see, the crazy thing about Jesus' position is that He is both far above and really near at the same time. Hebrews 4.15-16 says it this way, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He is over it all. There's no problem too big for him. So when I worry about who the next worship leader is for us, I need to look to him who's over it all. There's no problem too big for our Savior. I need to look up to Jesus. I need to look there first. He is over it all. Jesus is far above our problems, but he's close enough to do something about them. He can understand and act. And he invites you to draw near to him for help. Christ is above all things, above everyone and everything. His position matters because He is supremely powerful and He empowers us. When we look at Him far above everything, all our problems seem a little less significant. When we look at Christ, we see our problems for what they really are. Then and only then do we become truly battle-ready to work our problems out. And one more thing. The church is the fullness and completion of of Christ. Well, we got to know this. There are still more worshipers of Jesus to gather. There are still people out there who have no connection to God, let alone a community to grow with. The church, Christ's body, is incomplete. We need more laborers for the harvest. We need more churches to be planted. Let me ask you this. If every believer, if every believer shared the gospel as often as you do, how many people would be reached? If everyone gave the same percentage of your income as you do, how many churches could we plant? If everyone served with the fullness of God's great might like you do, how quickly could we change this community in this city, in this state, in this country, in this whole wide world? This week, I want to challenge you to walk in the power of God and take a step outside of your comfort zone. Maybe you need some people in your corner. Get in a group. I know it can be a big step, but it is good for us. Maybe you need to become a regular giver, or maybe you need to give a tithe. What is holding you back? You are strong with the infinite resources of God Himself. What about that coworker? What about that coworker? You have the resurrection power in your heart. Could you share that with them just like He did to you? In closing, God's strength is seen in His people, in prayer, and in His position as both far above and yet really close at the same time. God is all-powerful and He gives His power away. So as the band makes their way up, I want to tell you guys that God is all-powerful and He gives His power away. The battle is already won. The victory is His. He can win the battle even with a backup quarterback. (laughs) In Christ, you're strong. In Christ, you are already battle ready. You have everything at your disposal. You have everything you need. You're strong. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are awesome. We stand in awe and wonder at who you are and what you've done for us. You are far above all things. Our problems pale in comparison They're insignificant when we look at you, the truly strong one who empowers us. God, you're far above, and yet you're really close. You can understand and act. You can do stuff about what we're going through. God, I pray for grace in our hearts. I pray that we could learn to stop working in our own strength and start working in the real power that already is inside us. 
God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for not hoarding your power, but giving it away to your church. Lord, let us walk in that power every single day from here on out. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. This is uh, the invitation time. The altar is yours. All right. But during this time, I want you to think. I want you to think of one person who doesn't know the power of God like you do. Think of one person by name. I got a name in my head right now. You got one? Pray for that person this week by name and out loud. Pray for one person this week by name and out loud. Do it in your small groups. Do it with your spouse. Do it by yourself. Pray for one person by name and out loud. And I bet you God will give you the steps. Could you share the power of God with that person? The same power that's dwelling in your heart. Could you share that power with them? If you don't know how, I'll drop everything I have to tell you how I do it. Okay? You got real power. Let's not be a church that hoards it, but let's be a church who gives it away like our Savior. Okay? I love you guys. I'm here for you. This altar is yours. I would love the honor to pray for you. Um, And we're going to have some people here to pray for you too. Thank you guys.